Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Today, we're back in the Gospel of John, looking at another I am statement our Lord Jesus made after he raised the beloved friend from the dead. Everyone knows the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, but few have paid close attention to what our Lord said before he performed that miracle and what it reveals about the future of every Christian. I'm Jordan Pine. And I'm Andy Baylog. Welcome to another 20-minute Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised. I worship you. A reading from the Gospel of John. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise from the dead. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. That was John chapter 11, verses 21 to 27. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. It's critical for us to take out of the Bible what God put into it, rather than read into the Bible what we want it to say. And that means it's time to go to space. The word space is our handy acronym that reminds us to consider the speaker, the audience, and the context of a Bible verse or passage. So you have the SP, the A, and C before attempting an E, the explanation. The speaker is our Lord Jesus, and the audience is there in the text. He's speaking to Martha. Who was Martha? We first learn of Martha in the Gospel of Luke. The Bible says that when Jesus visited her village, the village of Bethany, about two miles east of Jerusalem, she welcomed him into her home. Now, Martha had two siblings. One was Mary, and this was the same Mary who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly oil and then wiped them with her hair shortly before his arrest. Her other sibling was her brother, Lazarus. The Gospel of John informs us that Jesus had a deep bond with these three. Yes, the author of this Gospel, the Apostle John, refers to himself as, quote, the one whom Jesus loved. Yet it seems that these three siblings could also claim that title. When the sisters sent word asking for Jesus to visit their brother Lazarus, They refer to him as the one whom you love. And a few verses later, John includes a footnote of sorts, stating in verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And that brings us to the context, which is the story of the death and resurrection of Lazarus, a famous miracle. Everyone who paid attention in Sunday school knows the end of this story. They roll back the stone from the tomb, and then Jesus commands with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! and out comes Lazarus, raised from the dead. You know, my father once speculated that it was important that Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. Because if he had just said, come out, all of the dead would have responded. 
This story also includes the shortest verse in the Bible, John 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. Such a beautiful verse. But now let's rewind to the beginning of the story. Lazarus is very sick, and the sisters Mary and Martha send word to Jesus to come and please see him. But Jesus had an unexpected reaction. Verse 6 says he decided to stay, quote, two days longer in the place where he was. Yeah, and of course, Jesus did that because he wanted to make a point. He hints at that point by telling his disciples that Lazarus's sickness is, quote, not meant for death, but it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified. Of course, they don't understand what he's saying, and they're even more confused when after delaying for two days, Jesus suddenly decides to get up and go. The disciples were thinking practically. I mean, Bethany was in Judea, a place where verse 8 tells us the Jews had just recently tried to stone Jesus to death. And they also thought that Jesus had said Lazarus was going to be fine. I mean, that's what they figured. So why go to Judea and take a chance? Yeah, our Lord confuses them further when he gives them this answer. Lazarus has fallen asleep. I need to go wake him up. And they're like, if Lazarus has just fallen asleep, I'm sure he'll wake up on his own. So then Jesus has to come out and say it plainly. We're going because Lazarus is dead. That's what I meant. And he adds, quote, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. Okay, so then from here we see that they head off to Judea. And by the time they get there, Lazarus has been dead and buried for four whole days. Now, Mary, the sister, is at home sitting Shiva, which is just a Jewish morning ritual. She's sitting Shiva for her brother, Lazarus, and Martha comes out to meet Jesus outside the village to tell him what has happened, which, of course, he already knows because he's God. And she says to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. And then, of course, Jesus replies, your brother will rise from the dead. And then Martha is like, yeah, I know, Lord, we're all going to rise from the dead one day. But of course, we all know that isn't what Jesus meant. And that's when we get to the heart of today's scripture reading. Before we do, Martha said something interesting when she first met Jesus. She said, if you were here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. It seems like she already has faith that Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead. Yeah, Jordan, this is true. Resurrection was something Jewish people of faith believed in for generations. You remember the story of Abraham and Isaac, how God tests Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Well, if we go in the Old Testament, in Genesis 22:2, God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, and I will show you where. Well, we all know what happens after that. Right when Abraham is ready to perform what people would consider an unthinkable act, God stops the sacrifice of Isaac. He goes on to provide a ram whose horns were stuck in some wood thickets, and he tells Abraham to substitute Isaac with the ram. Now, interestingly, what most people, even some Christians, are not aware of is that Abraham believed God would raise Isaac from the dead if he had gone through with the sacrifice. That's right. 
And we see this to be true in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 to 19, which reads, quote, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendants shall be called. Okay, so now here's the key verse. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. So we see here, obviously, by her faith in God's word, Martha also believed her brother Lazarus could be resurrected from the dead by Jesus, as Abraham believed God would have done for his son Isaac. Amazing. Okay, so now we're ready for the E in the space acronym, which is the explanation of today's key verses. Let's break it down. Our guest reader today is little Samara. John eleven twenty five to 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. As in previous lessons, we must first note that by using the phrase I am, Jesus is invoking the covenant name of God, Yahweh, which was given to Moses at the burning bush. Yahweh means I am. Next, whereas Jesus has compared himself to a single thing in previous I am statements, a shepherd, bread, light, here we should notice that he says he is two things, the resurrection and the life. What does he mean? Well, Jordan, our Lord himself breaks down what he means by that. Resurrection means the one who believes in Jesus will live even if he dies. And life means everyone who believes in Jesus will never die. Okay, Andy, but those two statements kind of sound contradictory. How can we reconcile them? All right, Jordan. Well, it's important to understand Jesus here is speaking of two entirely different kinds of death. First, the physical death, which represents the body our spirit lives in during our life on earth. If a believer has died... Jesus will resurrect it at the rapture and then bring it with him to heaven. Now, the life for the believer is speaking of our spirit. This will never die and will always be with the Lord. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, comforts us with this truth. And here's what it says. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Yes, and I've uh, taken the Apostle Paul's recommendation, and I often review that verse and share it with others whenever I have to unfortunately attend a a funeral or a wake, because it is very comforting to hear those words uh, when you're thinking about someone who's died or in your own family or or helping to comfort someone else who has someone died in their family. So that's one level of teaching for this verse, Andy, and it's very important for Christians to understand it. But now let's give our more advanced listeners some spiritual meat to chew on. Let's go to the higher level teaching of this verse. Jesus says, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. These words in English and the original Greek are in the present tense. In English, this implies continuing action. In other words, Jesus doesn't say, everyone who believed in me will never die, or everyone who once believed in me will never die. He says something like, everyone who is living and believing in me will never die. So this raises an obvious question. Does that mean it's possible to have once believed, but then stopped? And does stopping change our Lord's promise? For instance, let's say I have a friend or a family member who grew up in the church, but later became very worldly and agnostic. Does the promise of immortality not apply to him because he stopped believing in Jesus? Well, that's a great question, Jordan. But that's not what the Bible teaches. In reference to our spirit, to Christian spirits, the Word gives us these truths to consider. So I ask everyone to focus with me here. We'll start with Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 6, and it reads like this. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, And I'm going to pause there and have you notice that the word loved is in the past tense, meaning it was once and for all, that it happened already. Not that he stopped loving us, but it's specifically speaking about one act. So I'll read it again. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, and there's the past tense again, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This means the moment we were saved, and remember, God sees things outside of time. The moment we were saved, God already considers us raised up and seated with him. And of course, this is speaking of our spirit. Right, Andy. And Ephesians goes on later to say in chapter 4, verse 30, quote, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed, past tense again, for the day of redemption. The key point being our spirit is sealed in our bodies. Exactly, Jordan. Other great verses I'd like to bring into focus are in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20, which says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. And I want to highlight that phrase, have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So here we see Jesus Christ 
purchased us. He purchased believers with a price. And that price was his precious blood. The Bible teaches us we were redeemed by God, which means he bought us back. And now he permanently owns us. Yes, Andy. There are two beautiful verses that talk about this redeeming. Ephesians 1.7 says, quote, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. And 1 Peter 1, 18-19 supports this by saying, quote, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Wow. Great verses, Jordan. We must never forget that Jesus paid our ransom in full, one time for every believer. And to prove this, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 to 6 tells us, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Okay, Andy, so we've established that salvation is secure, that it happened in the past tense once and for all. Um, But then going back to this verse, to to the statement of our Lord saying, everyone who lives and believes or is living and believing in me, why is that in the continuous tense in both the original Greek and the English? What what is that trying to teach us if not um, that we can, obviously we cannot lose our salvation as, as you've well established as we well established with scripture. So what, what is he trying to teach us there? Well, Jordan, it's important to remember, especially to those of you who are new listeners, and we thank you for the support and we welcome you, that we often talk and teach about the three parts of man. It's what some theologians call a trichotomy. Being that God is made in three equal parts, as we know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, In the same way, being that we are made in his image, we actually have three parts that make us up. We have our spirits, which is the topic of today's verses. Jesus was speaking of, you know, those who die a Christian will be resurrected. And also, if you are a Christian now, your spirit will never die. So we've got the spirit, which is the first part. And that's the part of the trichotomy, the three-part makeup of man that gets saved at the moment that we accept Jesus as our Savior. The second part is our soul. Now, though we're not talking about that today, the soul is the part of our makeup that represents our personality. It represents who we are. It represents whether we like blue or red. It represents whether we make decisions and choices to follow the Word of God, or do we deviate and decide to apostate at times and not put God first. And there's many, many verses in the Bible, especially on the Sermon on the Mount, that focus specifically on the salvation of the soul. And of course, you could probably never understand the true meaning of the parables of the kingdom without understanding the mysteries of the secrets and and understanding the salvation of the soul. And then, of course, the third part is the body. And the body is something that, though it's dying daily now, The body, when the rapture comes, for those of us who do pass away, the body will get resurrected. And those who are alive at the rapture will join that body, and we will all go to the Bema seat. We will all 
eventually follow Jesus Christ to his judgment seat to see whether what we did in the body was good or evil. And the goal is for us to be able to receive a reward so that we could follow Jesus back to earth, believe it or not, during his millennial kingdom. So to answer your question, Jordan, in summary, it's important for us to know that though today's study was about the salvation of the spirit and to understand the resurrection of the body, there's still so much that the Bible teaches us regarding the salvation of our soul. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for breaking that down. That's 20 minutes, and that's our lesson. Do you want to listen to this Bible study again? It's easy. Just go to 20mbs.org. That's the number 20, followed by the letters mbs.org. On the website, you can also subscribe and have these lessons automatically delivered to your inbox. Once again, that's 20mbs.org. Objection. Question. We want to hear from you. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We read all the comments, so feel free to voice your objections or ask your questions. Of course, we also welcome your encouragement, and we really appreciate it when people like and share our posts because that helps us reach more people with biblical truth. We welcome all of your feedback, even if you don't agree with us. If you like, you could even just give us a call and leave a message. Our number is 908-271-6717. If you leave a good message, we may even put you on the show. Once again, our number is area code 908-271-6717. Some of you are listening to us on Sirius XM channel 131, also known as Family Talk. If so, you should know that we're on every week at this time, Sundays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Pacific. Feel free to tune in and hear our latest Bible study every Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Pacific. Preferred podcasts? We're on all the major platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. To find out more, simply go to our website and click the icon for your favorite app. And if you're listening to this on a streaming app right now, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button so you'll get new lessons automatically delivered to you. 20-Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe this education can only come directly from God's Word, but we also know it can be hard to find time to study the Bible or find a good group and then attend that group on a regular basis. So, we're inviting you to join our Bible study. It happens any day you want, any time you want, and as often as you need. You don't even need a Bible, although we do recommend it, because we have a great group of volunteers who will read the Bible to you. So all you have to do is listen. Until next time, we leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.
Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple. Our music was recorded by the Abundant Life Worship Center. Our sound editor is J.P. Eli. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Mysteries of the Kingdom, Incorporated.